Good morning, Gator Nation, and welcome to episode 34 of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. The Gators are set to face Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl in arguably the best non-playoff matchup of the bowl season. Coming into this game, there are a ton of storylines, and we are here to break it all down. I am your host, Dustin Smith, and you can follow me on Twitter at IAKOWDustin. And as always, we've gotten all kinds of weather, creator and founder, Neil Schulman, with us, so you can follow him at all kinds weather. We've also got contributor Casey Hampton with us, and you can follow him on Twitter at champton85. So guys, how's everybody doing? Are you, got, did you, are you guys enjoying the holidays? Yeah, it's a happy holidays, y'all. Um, we've just about made it out of this awful year, 2020. So that's something to be thankful for. Uh, I'm thankful was last month, but nonetheless, it's something to be cheery and merry about. Casey, how about you? Hey, man, I'm in uh, Fort Lauderdale enjoying uh, the beautiful 78-degree uh, December day that we had today. So, it, uh, yeah, I'll take that any day. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm always thrilled to be on with you guys. And in a crazy year filled with ups and downs and unprecedented uncertainty, it's been wonderful to be doing these pods with you. So, um on the behalf of all, all the listeners, uh, I just want to say to you, Neil, and, and you, Casey, that uh, you know this has been a great ride for uh, this wonderful year of 2020. And, <laughs> and, um, and assuming we don't get the, the post game out before the end of the year, uh, this is going to be our last podcast of 2020. So to that, uh, I just want to... Thank you guys for being a part of it. It's, I just want to say it's been fun. So, obviously, Florida playing in the bowl game, Oklahoma, it's going to be super huge. But there is an, another in-state school which, due to their horrid play on the field, they have opted out of a bowl game this year. Did you really? Did they really opt out when they're not six? even? Look, look, not even the cereal bowl. Did they well, enter this year? I mean, no, 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 Dustin, Dustin, they not were there the, last year. The, they were there last the, year in the Tony the Tiger Bowl. The to- yes, not the throw up bowl, not the the sausage bowl, not even the plastic water bottle bowl. The plastic, the plastic water, water bowl. bottle bowl wanted them, but not the not the not the recycle bowl. No. Recyclable. The recyclable. Nope. The, the recyclable. Yeah, yeah. No. Hey, hey, oh, hey. But yeah, uh... yeah. Oh, speaking of this in-state team, Neil, I know you like editing videos for fun, and you're, you're, you're actually pretty good at it. Did you, did you do a video? Tell yeah. us about this video. Yeah, I, I kind of told you all it was coming before um, or during our last pod. I told you all it was coming just over the horizon, and now it's out there. It's called FSU. Football 2020 highlights conquered by everyone that they didn't have to cancel their game against because they hey, hey how about happens. my Georgia Tech yellow jackets yeah you guys got featured shout out Casey and his Georgia Tech yellow jackets y'all were featured in that video at the very start of it um yeah so you know what FSU fans y'all had your fun from 13 to 17 in the Jimbo years when Florida sucked and now it's our turn because 
you know what? Yeah, we went four and eight and four and seven uh, in the span of five years. You guys have lost six plus games in four straight seasons. So no more Georgia Southern jokes for you. No more four and eight jokes for you. No more no bowl jokes for you. Florida hasn't lost six plus games in four straight seasons since before World War II. That was in the 1930s. Coincidentally, about 20 years before you guys decided to let men in. So congrats on that. Predictably enough, FSC fans are not especially happy with me right now, to which I say that is your problem. And, of course, it comes out in the form of, lol, 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 you really took time to make a video about us? Yeah, well, you know, you guys took all the time in the world to make all sorts of elaborate trolls about Florida from 2013 to 2017. But my favorite one is when they go, rent-free, rent-free, we live rent-free in your heads. Yeah, well, we clearly live rent-free in your heads while you guys are winning a national title in 2013 and competing for another one in 2014. So I'm just returning the energy to sender right now. I don't care. It's fun. So yeah, I'm going to keep doing it because it's fun and because it clearly pisses you guys off. So I'm just going to keep doing it every year that you guys keep getting conquered by everyone. So yeah. Well, Neil, Neil, I I do have a bit of breaking news um, from um, – the favorite family member of mine um, that you just love, um, my stepbrother, Yimmy. Uh, Yimmy has informed me that FSU turned down not one but two bowl invitations. But Yimmy wouldn't tell me where they were for. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, I just figured I'd tell you from the Seminole Insider that they turned down not one but two bowl invitations, according to Yimmy. Right, right. Yeah, you need, you oh, need yes, Dr. yes, You need Dr. Yes, Evil yes. right now for that gif. Dr. Yes. Not gif, gif. Right. Yes, right. yes, yes. Okay. I, yes, FSU did opt out. I told you. Yeah, right. They, but so, they but LSU, did. LSU opted out, and we were their bowl game. Yeah, but see, at least they were 500 in the SEC. God. I mean, well, look, they're, they're bad, but FSU is conquered by everyone that they didn't have to cancel their game against. And, you know, it, Jacksonville State and Duke – and a North Carolina team that didn't really bother to show up that night. But, I mean, look, you know, you know things are bad when Louisville pounds your face into the dirt 48 to 16. So that's- Hey, hey, I'm just going to say what I said from four rows up in 2018 at Doak Campbell Stadium. No bowl, no bowl. Not bad. I just wish we had that seminal head to dance around with. Whatever happened to that? Yeah, well, guys, I brought that. That thing that, that that's probably going to get canceled. By the way, the way we're the way we're going with. Uh, I don't want to make this too political, but you know things are getting disqualified the left and right in from society. All right, society. well, they're not allowed to bring that gator carcass anymore either. Yeah, they will. I think we're gonna. You know what? I think we actually had a spear an animal rights year. violation. Dude, we had a spear this year. We were going to bring out and and uh, and snap in half, and we didn't get to play them, but we had that ready. But uh, anyway. Let's, uh, this, this, is the, this is the season to be jolly and uh, charitable. So let me tell you guys about our sponsors. Uh, as usual, we're proudly partnered with the Gator Good Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization that works to send an underprivileged Gator fan to the swamp. We've been reduced to a virtual campaign for 2020, except now that's going to be a virtual campaign for the beginning of 2021, because in typical 2020 fashion, that is uh, in a holding pattern right now, thanks to a a screw up with the order. So we've, we've got our winner picked out. We know what we're going to get them. It's just a matter of getting it to them, but that's now going to happen in early 21. So be on the lookout for more updates about that 
on our social handles at the Gator Good on Twitter, at Gator Good Foundation on Instagram, and the Gator Good Foundation on Facebook. Second, we're proudly sponsored by Stingray Branding. These folks will put a sting into your marketing and they'll deliver results that will wow your clients, whether it's web design, logo design, branding, graphic design, social media management, search engine optimization, marketing strategy, or mobile app design, Stingray Branding has you covered. If you or someone you know needs professional help in any of the above, here are two great reasons why you should choose Stingray Branding. One, it's a veteran-owned business. I can't think of a better way to properly thank those who serve our country than by giving them business. And two, it's run by a Florida Gator. So yes, they do great work, but they do great work and are owned by a Florida Gator fan who happens to be a U.S. veteran. To learn more about their services and rates, go to stingraybranding.com. That is stingraybranding.com. And with that said, we love roasting FSU. We love telling y'all about our sponsors. Go definitely check them out and definitely check out that video. It's called FSU Football 2020 Highlights Conquered by Everyone. But we are really here to talk about the Gators and the Oklahoma Sooners in the Cotton Bowl Classic coming up this Wednesday night. Guys ready to talk some football? Yes, sir. So, Neil, are you looking forward to playing Oklahoma? Yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun, man. I think that Florida and Oklahoma are two of the most dominant programs in college football over the last 40, 50 years or so. And, you know, you don't get to see a ton of matchups between the two. And I think that's what makes this matchup by itself so much fun to watch is that you got two programs from very different parts of the country who are finally going to go head to head and see, you know, which of those dominant superpowers will come out on top. And I would argue this is probably the best of the New Year's Six um, I, I, I just from my point of view, I think this is the best New Year's Six matchup in 2021, um, or 2020 slash 2021. Um, y- you know, Georgia, Cincinnati in the Peach Bowls, kind of like, eh, but I wouldn't want to play Cincinnati. Right. Uh, I want to touch that. Um, you know the the Rose Bowl. I mean, the Rose Bowl has you know, history and things like that, but it's not going to be played in Pasadena this year. Um, so that I think diminishes that matchup. Um, you know, the orange bowl, I think A&M's out for blood as well as they should be. Um, the Fiesta bowl could be interesting, but I think Oregon, I think we're trying to make Oregon into something they're not. Right. Uh, um, but so I think the cotton bowl is probably going to be the best of the New Year's six. Well, maybe Justin, the, I mean, aside from the, you know, the playoff game between Ohio state. Well, and yeah, yeah. But Dustin, what what do you think about the uh, just New Year's Six in general? Do you think our our game is the best of the New Year's Six, aside from the playoff? Yeah, I mean, I was sure hope so. I mean, earlier in the pod, I mentioned how this is the best non-playoff game in the New Year in in uh, all the bowl schedule, and I would even venture to say that this game is better than the Alabama Notre Dame game. I mean, it's certainly going to have more firepower. I mean, uh, so I would say. The only game that I would think would be a better game or a better matchup would be the the Clemson Ohio State game. But we're not here to talk about I, that game. I, we're here I, to talk about the Florida Gators. So, yeah, but 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 while we're on the point, Dustin, I don't think that's going to be a good game. I mean, Ohio State's only played six games and they had to get exceptions left and right between COVID exemptions and between playing in the Big Ten Championship where they almost lost to Northwestern. I think that's going to be a steamroll, and I think Alabama yeah. Notre Dame is going to be the same way. 
Well, Alabama Notre Dame is going to be a steamroll. I, I think that's that's something that most of the country agrees. I would upon, be but... comfortable saying Clemson will win by at least ten points. At least. Yeah, that's fair. Well, the spread is seven and a half, so that's that's fair. But Dustin, you actually you mentioned something. You said you said firepower in this game, Florida Oklahoma, and yeah, there, there's an offense on the field with Florida that's definitely going to be out to score as many points as possible. And this is a team that scored fifty points, forty points several times this year. But I think the biggest misconception about this game is going to be that Oklahoma's defense is just going to roll over and play dead for us. I mean, this has been a very, very different defense for Oklahoma, very quietly so, but a very different defense for Oklahoma recently than it was in the first first really whole year and a half of Alex Grinch's tenure as their DC. And yes, his, his name is Alex Grinch. I know Christmas jokes abound. I, I know I got it. Um, but they really struggled in his first year there in 2019 and they struggled in the first half of 2020, but then their last four games, they've given up nine, 13, 14 and 21 points. And two of those games were against ranked teams in Oklahoma state and Iowa state, in the big 12 championship game. So they are playing very well defensively. Now they've got Ronnie Perkins back after he was suspended for failing a drug test before last year's peach bowl. And he's really made a difference. Now he gets to go up against an sec team. And then there's Nick Benito guy from Fort Lauderdale, where you are right now, Casey gets a chance to play his childhood dream school in Florida. You know, he's going to be fired up. And you know, in the second year of Grinch's scheme, from the tape I've watched of them, guys are playing a lot faster and more aggressively than they were earlier in the year and last year. So they're all going to be ready to go. Now, yeah, they haven't seen an offense like Florida's all year in the Big 12. You know, Sam Ellinger and Brock Purdy are not Kyle Trask, so we'll see. But I do think this is going to be a defense in Oklahoma that Florida is going to have to be ready to go against because they're not just going to roll over and die for us. Well, and Oklahoma has a top 20 defense. People don't realize that. Oklahoma has a top 20 defense, the ranked 19th in the country. Um, they've allowed 3,336 3, yards. They've allowed only five yards of play on average. Um, and, uh, you know, they've allowed an offensive um, touchdown total of only 28 on the year. So, uh, you know. Most of those, I, and most of those were in the first half of the year, boy, by the correct, way. Correct, correct. And, you know, they had a couple bad losses to start off the year, but Lincoln Riley got them back right. Um, and you know, I think the thing that scares me most about this game, um, against Oklahoma in the cotton bowl is, you know, when I was doing my research for our pod tonight, you know, I looked through and I was just looking through some stats and things like that. I think the thing that really scares me about this game is that they have two rushers that have more than 450 yards in Stevenson and Pledger, but. And they also have uh, McGowan, who has 300 yards. Spencer Rattler is their fourth leading rusher on the team, and he's their quarterback. And he has 2,784 yards on the year. And then if we're looking at receiving, they have (laughs) – okay, they're leading receivers. Mims at 583 yards. Weiss for 494 yards. Stogner for 410 yards. Rambo for 267 yards. Stevenson, who is a running back at 211 yards receiving, and their tight end Hall has 206. And, folks, if you lost count, that's six receivers with over 200 yards receiving. So Oklahoma's offense is no joke. Um, I realize that they started off the year uh, a little rough, but that's nothing to, to, to sneeze at, folks. And the one thing I'll add to that is that 
nobody, and, and I mean nobody, is going to say that Ramondre Stevenson is a Kadarius Tony type player. He is not as ridiculously and offensively explosive as Tony is, but he is someone that Florida will have to watch on every single play in a sense that defenses have to watch Kadarius Tony on every single play, regardless of whether the down and distance count calls for a rush or a pass. He is someone that can catch the ball out of the backfield and run between the tackles. So he is someone that Florida is going to have to have their eye on 24-7, or I guess, you know. And the only, ba- the, only bad, the only bad loss that Oklahoma had this year was to Kansas State because Iowa State proved to be – I mean, they, they had a rematch in the Big 12 championship, and Oklahoma only lost this year to Iowa State and Kansas State. And Kansas State was the only loss that was bad for them. So it's not like – it's just we're looking at an Oklahoma team that looks different than what we've seen in the past. And I think the CFP playoff committee saw that they probably were not playoff worthy. But this is still a dangerous Oklahoma team and an Oklahoma team that absolutely can beat Florida. I mean, this is not going to be a cakewalk. This is – I saw some comment on Twitter about, you know, if Kadarius Tony plays, just mail the trophy in. Uh, I, Wrong. I think this – I think take. this defense is – yep. I, I think this defense is for real. Um, and they only have one bad loss, and they only lost by three points, which you could say the same about Florida, you know, that we lost to LSU by three points. But we also lost to AM and we also lost to Alabama. Uh, yes, we played Alabama close, uh, and we were within a couple plays of beating AM, but Oklahoma is not a pushover. This is not a guaranteed gimme win. Yeah, Casey, I, I actually agree with you. I mean, the Gators are – Certainly at, at a precipice right now. I mean, after a two-game losing streak, the Gators are out to prove this is not another version of 2015. You know, a team that – Or 16. Yeah. Well, well, well I'm, 2015 he's that. talking about because the team peaked way too early, got one big win in the middle of the season against the top five team, Mississippi then, Georgia this year, and then just sort of coasted the rest of the way and then got embarrassed right. at the end. Fair right. enough. Exactly. Exactly. And to, to uh, just speak on Oklahoma, I mean, they're, they look great. I mean, their quarterback, Spencer Rattler, is phenomenal. I mean, obviously he's not putting up the numbers that Trask is putting up. I mean, he has uh, 2,784 passing yards and 25 touchdowns, but the guy it has been playing lights out. I mean, even even in the losses that they've had, uh, he's he's put the ball in the right spot, and he's 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 just a young guy. He has a uh, quite a few years left at, at Oklahoma, and and um, he he might be up there with some of their uh, their Heisman Trophy talent. I mean, I watched the guy coming out of high school in in the recruiting process, and he's an excellent guy. He's he's not a quarterback you want to go against, especially with this defense, and. I'll just say this as we as we kind of move this uh, this segment along. Going against Alabama, we came into that game and we fully expected that in order for the Gators to have a chance to win the game, that the Gators would have to score on either every possession, a touchdown, I should say, the Gators should score a touchdown on every possession or on the majority of their possessions to have any chance to win the game. I would love to be proven wrong, but there's no way that this is a 42 to 20 or a uh, Gator victory or a 
a uh, 35 to 10 Gator victory. Now, this is going to be uh, a, a four-quarter shootout where both these high-powered offenses are going to show their prowess. And I, I sure hope that the Gators come on the winning end because Neil's right. That defense that Oklahoma's put together has been, you know, to say the least, it's been un-Oklahoma-like. I mean, their defenses look great. Uh, they have great play on the lines of scrimmage. They actually have, quote-unquote, hogs up front who, uh, who are making phenomenal plays. I think their defenses play great, so the Gators really have to step it up. This is, this is as far from a pushover game as you're going to get. And love James Houston. Uh, I know, I know, Neil, I know you're very close to him. Oh, God. But he, he, made a, he made a statement. And my concern is that he's making that statement, but at that point when he made it, he, he maybe haven't he, he he maybe hasn't watched the film. I, I know obviously he's had a lot of time since he made that statement to prepare for Oklahoma, but I just my personal opinion, but you don't put forward bulletin board material against a team like Oklahoma. They look well, we, should have, we, we should have learned that lesson after Quincy Wilson with Tennessee. Well, okay, Here, here's, here's the problem, okay? Remember 2008 or the 2009 BCS championship, Florida and Oklahoma. There's a cornerback for the Sooners named Dominique Franks. He said Tim Tebow would be the fourth best quarterback in the Big 12, meaning behind Colt McCoy, behind Sam Bradford, behind Graham Harrell. Probably not the brightest thing to say before you face Tim Tebow, who just got snubbed to the Heisman Trophy and now wants to win his second national championship in three years. Probably not the brightest thing to say. James Houston's a little different in the sense that this is not a national championship game. He did not directly call out an opposing player. What he did do is directly call out an opposing team who now has all kinds of motivation to go out ahead and face Florida as opposed to just finishing the season strong in a New Year's Six Bowl. No, now they want to beat Florida. They have an extra level of motivation. I mean, look, Houston's not my concern. He's one of the few guys on this defense that's actually looked like he knows what he's doing this year, which is, I mean, very concerning. But the problem is that he has now spoken up on behalf of a lot of guys on the defense who have not looked like they've known what they're doing. And that could put them in a very – very unfavorable situation. Um, we're going to move on and talk about the Gators in a minute, but I think Casey's got one more thing he wants to say before we do so. So, Casey, what you got? You know, I I tend to look at things a little differently. That I like to give credit uh, to the opponent where and when I can, unless it's Georgia. Uh, screw them. Uh, <laughs> but you know, with Lincoln Riley last year, I think realized that he had to do something different on defense. Um, whether it was scheme or personnel or players or, you know, whatever it is that needs to be done on a defense that changes the scheme and changes the matchup for an offense, for an opposing offense. And hats off to him uh, for making what was a joke. I mean, the Big 12 has been a joke on defense for a long, long time, particularly Oklahoma. I mean, you look at they played LSU last year, and I think LSU was up 28 to nothing before the end of the first quarter. I mean, LSU just steamrolled them uh, in the in the peach bowl in the semifinal last year. So, I mean, hats off to that. And I think we're going to be in the same position this year with, and I'm, I'm not going down a rabbit hole. We can talk about it later, but Dan Mullen's going to be in a similar position with Todd Grantham. 
you know, looking to see what works and looking to see who works, uh, whether that's personnel or staff. Um, and I know there have been some vocal Twitter people that are defending Todd Grantham, uh, which is the right, um, but I'm sure it's somebody else's right to eat glass. Um, but <laughs> Jesus, Casey. Hats off to Lincoln Riley for doing what needed to be done on his team and doing what was good by his team and doing what was right. With that, we are now going to talk about what our thoughts about Kyle Trask are in the season. Uh, we're going to talk about Kyle Trask in how we feel about him as being a Florida Gator, his career as a Florida Gator, but also his odds in winning the Heisman and who we think should win the Heisman. So uh, Dustin, I know, has been prepared all day. He has been texting Neil and I uh, that he has a historic rant about Kyle Trask, uh, and there's nothing like a Dustin rant on here. So I can't wait to see where this is going to go. So It's about to get sentimental in here, y'all. It's about to get real sentimental. Reverend Smith, take take it away. <laughs> yeah, actually, Casey's right. I'm actually uh, a reverend, but well, that and it's and it's the Lord's Day today when we're recording this, so you know that's why I yeah. called you Reverend Smith on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, man, I, I appreciate that. Well, before I get to the rant, I just want to say this: um, I'm thankful for the opportunity that Neil's afforded to me uh, in being able to write on on the website. Um, and all kinds of weather.com. So I, I'm thankful that he's given me the opportunity to work on this project in which I'm actually looking at the, the odds for Kyle Trask to win. And I'm also going to uh, present an upcoming article. It's going to be released early uh, this coming week. That's going to be fun. I don't want to give too much away, uh, but I, I really hope you, you take the time to read that. Um, but anyway, so Kyle Trask. What a phenomenal player. What, what a phenomenal athlete, but even beyond his athletic ability, what a phenomenal leader for this, for this team. I mean, look at him. I mean, he's a guy, and I know this story's been said hundreds of times. I know that to all the Gator faithful that listen to this, you know, you, you can wake up in the middle of the night and, and start uh, padding off what Kyle Trask has been through, but I'll just go and say it again. This guy, for seven years, for seven years, this guy did not start a game in high school and then went on to not start a game in college. This guy was behind Felipe Franks. Felipe Franks! Think about it. Felipe Franks who couldn't see the field. This guy sat behind him. Any quarterback in America with his kind of talent would have sat for not that long and would have transferred to another school. Okay? But Kyle Trask did not. Kyle Trask is an inspiration to the game. And I don't care what happens on January 5th. A movie should be written about this man. But what Trask has done is absolutely historic. I mean, in an all-SEC schedule, 10 games, now 11 games, all-SEC, 4,125 yards? Are you kidding me? 43 passing touchdowns? Are you kidding me? 46 total touchdowns? Are you kidding me? 13 more total touchdowns than anybody else in contention for the Heisman? 
Yes, Mac Jones only has 33 total touchdowns. Mac attack, 33, but my quarterback has 46, playing a, a, a near-identical schedule and is supposedly going to get third place or fourth place in the Heisman. This is wrong. This is wrong. You can, you can read my article that I wrote a week ago, but this is wrong. This is dead wrong. I mean, to anybody that wants to give the award to Trevor Lawrence for a Lifetime Achievement Award, newsflash, the guy is only 21 years old, okay? Usually, if you're getting a Lifetime Achievement Award when you're 21 years old, that, that's the, the procession to something really sad that happened. Damn. And let's take a look at the two Alabama guys. You take Devonta off Alabama, Alabama's still undefeated, probably. You take Matt Jones off Alabama, Alabama's still undefeated, probably. And the, the person on Alabama that I think is most deserving of the Heisman, Najee Harris, you take him off Alabama, and they're still probably undefeated. You take Kyle Trask off Florida, and you put Felipe Franks at the helm for this offense, and the Gators are at best 5-5 five and five this year. With that defense, I don't think the Gators score more than 32 points a game. And that's, and that's being respectful. Kyle Trask has done historic things at the University of Florida. You think I sound mad? I am mad. I am, I am downright upset. I don't want to get angry because I'm not really supposed to get angry, but I'm, I'm upset. I'm frustrated. Yeah. I, man, I'm thankful. We're, we're going to watch the Gators hopefully beat Oklahoma. And Kyle Trask is, is going to have a great game. Hopefully our defense can, can have a pretty good game too. We need them too. But on January 5th, when we watch that Heisman ceremony, I'm hopeful. I'm rooting for Trask. But Gator Nation, I don't want to be Debbie Downer Schulman, but be prepared to be disappointed with me. And boy, oh boy, when they, when Mac Jones or, you know, I like Devontae Smith, but when Mac Jones or any of the other three get up with the trophy and hold it, well, it's virtual, so they're probably not going to have the trophy actually, but regardless, we're all going to be disappointed together. Yeah. Well. So, yes. That's, well, that's all I had to say. I mean, you, you mentioned that this is going to be a movie, right? Like, I'm, I'm just waiting for someone to buy the movie rights at this point. Like, I guess oh, it, it probably would make sense to wait till his NFL career was over. But it, it has been like watching a movie in real time. Because really, like, everybody from the start has counted him out. Like, even me. Like, back when Franks was struggling against everyone he faced in basically in 2018 and against Miami and Kentucky in 2019, I was clamoring for Emory. I'll admit it. Like back then I was on team Emory because I thought this kid's a great story. It's Kyle Trask, but he's not a fit for the offense the way Emory is. And then in comes Trask against Missouri late in that blowout that I was at, by the way, and he just came and balled out. And then against Kentucky, when Franks goes down, he comes in, he balls out. And I just keep thinking, there's no way this is real life. There's no way that this kid that nobody wanted is that 
freakishly accurate every single time. There's no way this guy who hasn't started a game in six and a half or seven years or whatever is going to have SEC level pocket awareness. There's no way this, this two-star kid is going to come in cold off the bench, lead us back from double digits against Kentucky, and take us to an Orange Bowl win and a top 10 finish. There's no way this kid is one day going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. There's no way. And for every no way, he found a way. Like, that's Hollywood stuff. That doesn't happen. And I'll say this. For those of you who have been part of the Kyle Trask hive since 2016, very small group of people, but for those few of you who are there, medals of valor are waiting for you. Cap tip to you all for being behind him from the start because that is some impressive vision that you guys had to think that this guy would be the guy for the Florida Gators one day. So anyway, like when Dustin's talking about how angry he is, and there is a reason to be angry because I think he should win the Heisman. He has had this historic movie like years I've been talking about. I'm ultimately going to remember Trask for all the sensational things he did did on the field. Let's, Let's not let this Heisman snub that we're all pretty sure is coming stop us from remembering how utterly incredible he was and remember him with a sense of joy and happiness for what he did and appreciation for what he did rather than remembering him for just being snubbed and letting feelings of anger and despair come over us when we ultimately recall his career. You know, the one thing that we're missing throughout all of this is not only is there a Heisman snub, this week they announced the 2020 SEC Football Awards and the All-SEC Team. And reading down the list, <laughs> we've got Devontae Smith as Offensive Player of the Year, Patrick Sertain of Alabama, Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Scholar Athlete of the Year, Mac Jones of Alabama, Jacobs Blocking Trophy, Landon Dickerson of Alabama, Alex Leatherwood of Alabama, Coach of the Year, Nick Saban, Alabama. It, you know, it. it's not even <laughs> – it's just a joke anymore. I mean, you know, we look at, you know, the the quarterback of the year was Mac Jones of Alabama. It, it's just a joke anymore. You know, why don't we just call it the Alabama Conference and some other teams? I mean, it, it's it, it's they're not even trying to hide the bias that comes from the Birmingham office with Greg Sankey. It's you're telling me Kadarius Tony is a second team. Second All-SEC team wide receiver? Kadarius Tony is a second team? Ridiculous. Are you kidding me? To quote Dustin Smith, are you kidding me? <laughs> this, like just turns into, this turns into a damn joke, and it is a slap in the face to the yeah. student-athletes that play at the University of Florida and other universities within the conference. This is not the Alabama Crimson Tide conference. This is not the Alabama We Love Saban. Why wasn't Sam Pittman the coach of the year? He has arguably done more with less, and he has made Arkansas respectable again. Whereas Nick Saban, oh, gee, how many five stars do you need, Nick? I mean, your third string wide receiver and tight end are five-star consensus recruits. But Sam Pittman goes in, wins multiple games after Arkansas hadn't won in multiple years, and he doesn't get it. It's such a damn joke. This is a slap in the face. It's an insult to fans. And it just proves the SEC is about Alabama and nobody else. Arkansas hadn't won an SEC game since the day before Jim McElwain was fired. That's what I'm saying. This is a, this is a damn joke. Yeah. And it's an insult 
to both fans and players. And, you know, it just makes me question, are we ever going to have an objective conference with an objective leader, with objective fan voting and coach voting and media voting that doesn't just bow at the altar of Saban and Alabama? Well, you know, Casey, there is one way we could have made that happen. We could have. I get it. But you know what? No. I still think the awards would have gone for Alabama, 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 because they're Alabama, roll damn tide. It would have made it like, a lot more difficult to justify had I we just, had a competent it, it, defense. It and How was Nick Saban a better coach this year than Sam Pittman? He wasn't, but you I, can I, shut that down if yeah. you beat him. It's so inappropriate, and it – literally demeans the effort of the student athletes that put in the work every week in the weight room that go to classes and that work their asses off to get on the field and be ready to compete. It demeans the coaches work, all the scouting, all the recruiting, all the motivational tactics that go into it and working in the locker room. It totally demeans every other team that isn't your chosen Alabama Crimson Tide. Because you know what? If you could put, Helen Keller in her current state behind the Alabama offensive line, and she could still score multiple touchdowns. Do not tell me what Mac Jones is doing is impressive. What Kyle Trask is doing, spreading the ball to multiple receivers, doing, running it himself on certain plays. I mean, all Mac Jones has to do is say, here, five-star running back, here, five-star wide receiver. I have all day to throw the ball to you, and you're going to get open every single time. Gee, roll tide! It's it's an insult what they're doing to these players. Always thrilled to see when Casey Hampton is getting fired up because he darn right should be. Guys. And this is from our own conference. This isn't yeah. from the Heisman voters. This is from the conference that we play in. Yeah, it's Guys, irritating. I get it. It's it's putrid. It's frustrating. Casey, you're you're obviously right. Sam Pittman. I could also make an argument for Jimbo Fisher. You look at preseason and the expectations going into the year. When the preseason favorite to win the conference wins the conference, the coach of that team that is the preseason favorite to win the conference that wins the conference typically doesn't get coach of the year. Why? Because they did exactly what they were expected to do. Nick Saban was expected to win the conference. He did exactly what was expected of him. Sam Pittman, no one expected Arkansas to win a game this year. Nobody. They won three, and they should have won four. They did. Jimbo Fisher, nobody expected Jimbo Fisher and and Texas A&M to only lose one game. Nobody. You know, I, I know quite a few people that actually picked Auburn. Auburn. The team that fired their coach and has a new coach now picked Auburn to beat A&M. But I digress. Back to Trask real quick. Well, for everybody- Dustin, Dustin, Dustin let, 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 let me make one point to Go that, to, j- just to back, back you up on what you're saying. As much as it pains me to say this, Lane Kiffin deserved that award more than Nick Saban. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, we can make a list. That, we, we, we like making lists on this show. We can make a list. <laughs> we do. We do like making lists on this show. Yeah. So, no. yeah it's, it's, it, you could say Sam Pittman. You could say 
Jimbo Fisher, honestly, because Lane you expect him to be a top five team. And you could say Lane Kiffin. And you could say Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, yeah. Better, I, mean, I mean, more so than Nick Saban. I mean, look at when Jim McElwain won the award in 2015. He took a Florida team that nobody expected to do anything, and he won the East. Now, we can look back and say that was a mirage, but he still did it, and that's why he won Coach of the Year that year. So why didn't Sam Pittman? I mean, Dustin, you make a really good point. The Coach of the Year award is meant for coaches that take teams and do things that they're not supposed to do, and they bring their team to new heights. So in that instance, Sam Pittman, Lane Kiffin, Neil made a good point with Eli Drinkwitz, and Jimbo Fisher should all be considered for that. Just like the Heisman is not the best player from the best team. It's the best overall player in the country. So sorry, Dustin, right. didn't mean to interrupt you. It's the most outstanding player in the country. I know this was brought up in the article, but going back to 2016, Deshaun Watson had an insane season. 50 total touchdowns. Played for the eventual national champion Clemson Tigers. But he did not win the Heisman. Lamar Jackson did. Deshaun Watson did not win the Heisman. Lamar Jackson did. Lamar Jackson had one more touchdown than Deshaun Watson. But anybody that, that saw Lamar Jackson play in 2016 knew that he was the best player on the field. It didn't matter that Clemson earlier in the season beat Louisville and Lamar Jackson's team by six points. Oh, sound familiar? Number one team in the country beating another team by six points, and the game was only closed thanks in part to the valiant effort of um, a Heisman finalist quarterback. Oh, yes, that's what happened this year. The Gators should have been destroyed by Alabama. It should have been a 59-17 to 17 kind of game. But no, no, no. The Florida Gators got Kyle Trask. He put together drive after drive after drive after drive. He wasn't perfect. No, one, no one's perfect against Alabama. But nobody, nobody on Alabama's freaking schedule got, more, got that close to beating them. Six points. So look, for anybody... And I mean anybody who says this award goes to the best player on the best team. You are darn wrong. History would look at you in the face and laugh at you. Ooh. Recent history. Four history. years ago. Four would years laugh ago, at you. History. Kyle recent history. Was, Kyle Trapp was in college. But and Neil, Neil, I did the research. I could go back to, to other moments in history before that, but I'm not. You can read the article that's on the website. Go for it. History says that Trask should win the Heisman. But unfortunately, we're probably not going to see history repeat itself. And it's no. going to be a travesty. The Heisman goes to the most outstanding player in the country. Not the best player in the best team. Right. Not the MVP of the best team. The most outstanding player in the country, which player had the most impact on college football this year? 
That's who it goes to. I'm afraid to say that it's not going to go to that this year. I, I agree. Neil, I want to it, throw it to you uh, because I know we need to do a tribute to our seniors this year. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we talk about Trask being the Heisman snub that we assume he's going to be. We talk about guys like Kadarius Tony a little bit less frequently, but, oh, he was so explosive. Oh, but look how he came into his own this year. How about the fact that these seniors are going to have a chance to right one more wrong of their college careers? Because think about where it all started for these guys, right? And it started for these guys – on this field that they're going to play on Wednesday night in Dallas, I guess technically in Arlington, but in Jerry's Palace, the very first game of these seniors' career was on that field against Michigan. And as Casey can attest, yeah, he, he can attest to it, it didn't go very well. Woof. And it set the stage for that year because we went four and seven, fired McElwain, and slowly but surely in the next three years, Florida started righting all kinds of wrongs and avenging all kinds of frustration from that terrible year. We got Michigan back the next year, 41-15 in the Peach Bowl, a game Casey was also at. We got FSU back, game Casey was was also at. Uh, And then, you know, 2019, we take it a step further, and we win 11 games instead of 10. And then this year, we finally got Georgia back for the last three years' worth of frustration and won the East. Now, of course, we're not – going to win a national title this year. So we're not going to say, well, we went from the bottom to the top from worst to first. We can't say any of that, but these seniors have not had everything go their way since 2017, but they can at least say this for every bad memory they had as freshmen, they have managed to counteract it or overwrite it with at least some kind of positive memory against the same opponent. And now they have one more chance to overwrite one more bad memory in Jerry's world that began their careers with an everlasting good memory in Jerry's world to end their careers. And I think that is some, just some 2020 level stuff right there. Like, I mean, you, you can't, you can't write that any better, right? Like you're going back to where it all began to end it and hopefully end it on the right note. I think that just, that, that is something that should be noted and, and thrown out there for everyone to be cognizant of. Cause that is some amazing congruence. And, you know, I want to really talk about this, these seniors. I mean, these seniors have been to the lowest of the low um, that Neil mentioned, not only with, with Michigan, but, you know, in 2017, losing in that heartbreaking fashion to LSU, um, getting that, that god-awful turd of a game against Texas A&M. And when I say turd, I mean both the uniforms on the field um, and Felipe Frank. My, my one memory of that game is Felipe Franks running around like a giraffe on the field um, that night. I mean, he just looked like a giraffe running, running down that god-awful uniform, getting blasted by Georgia, getting blasted by Missouri, losing again to Florida State, you know, and then turning around in 2018. You know, these seniors have been from the valley to the mountain top. Really you know, when Dan Mullen says these guys bought in, they did. This team bought in to what he was selling, what he believed. And every year they've gotten a little better. Uh, and you can't say enough about Kyle Trask. You can't say enough about Kyle Pitts. But looking down this roster, not just the Kyles, um, but you look at the other members of the offense, um, Malik Davis, uh, who we don't know if he's going to leave. You know, I, I will just – 
say I wish Marco Wilson well, just because he was recognized on senior night. So let's not even mention him. How about guys like Kadarius Tony? I, I, I was gonna get there. All right, all right. So you know, Kadarius Tony, like Neil just mentioned, uh, and you know, the list could go on and on and on. But rather than calling them out by name, because we tend to call out the guys that that we identify with that the Kadarius Tony's that are electric and the Kyle Pitts that can make that impossible catch the Kyle Trask that literally is like what Dustin said, made for Hollywood movie. Let's just say, thank you seniors rather than calling out names because you know, there are offensive linemen. You look at stone Forsyth, you look at um, Brett Heggie that have played their asses off for our team that, they didn't necessarily get the spotlight that others did. So I just want to say thank you, seniors, for the memories. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for your dedication. And thank you for your love of the logo, as they say. Thank you for making it fun to be a Florida Gator fan. Thank you for making it fun again to cheer on the orange and blue. And thank you for bringing the fun and gun in 2020 back to the University of Florida. Yeah, and thank you for buying into the Gator standard. I mean, you, you guys have uh, you guys have taken a Gator football team that was just utterly miserable to watch in 2017. And, I mean, look, I said this to Casey and during the Missouri game in 2017 when we were getting our brains beaten in. This team has quit. Yeah, on another <laughs> game he was at. This team has quit. This team has quit. They have shut down the operation. They have given up. I have never said that about a Gator football team, not even in 2013. Because they hung in there against FSU, who wound up winning the national title that year for a quarter and a half. They, they didn't quit that year. They weren't good, but they didn't quit. That 2017 quit. They quit. And they went from that to being a team that's in New Year's Six Bowl every year. So, you know, from the, from the valley to the mountaintop, as Casey said, thank you guys. It has been and, awesome. and, and I want to ask a question, and this will be a really simple question. I want to ask a question to the both of you because I have my answer and I'll give it last. What's your favorite memory from the senior class? Ooh, good one. Um, I will say either beating Georgia this year or the Orange Bowl last year. But nah, actually, that, that's 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 kind of uh, that's kind of hard because I was I was at that game, so that kind of tilted my answer there. But probably in terms of just pure joy, I would say beating Georgia, finally getting over that hump. How about you? Dustin. I, I would have to say specifically, and we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and lump Trayvon Grimes into this. Um, I know he's not technically a senior, but he's more than likely moving on. Um, he uh, made an amazing catch against Georgia that cemented that victory, and that phenomenal catch will always be remembered because. It showed, it showed what can happen when hard work and attention to detail uh, truly pay off. And those guys are going to be missed as they move on to, um, in some ways, bigger and better things. And uh, I think Casey said it incredibly well. So did Neil. Um, but I, I, I want to echo what they said. And to all the seniors that gave their all, I know this certainly – um, wasn't the season that we were hoping for. Uh, it, at least we found out kind of the floor for Dan Mullen. We found out that the floor for Dan Mullins was actually pretty high. 
you know, when we're uh, vying for coaches to get fired um, at eight and three. I mean, that, that's saying something that says a lot about the expectation that this team has and the expectation this fan base has. And it's good because I think it's only up from here. You know, I'm going to pick a moment that is, is sort of, it wasn't, you know, a championship win and it wasn't something that maybe we'll look back 10 years on and say, whoa, that was a defining win. When we won at Mississippi State, I was there for that. I remember when I walked out of that game, I remember talking to my friends. I'm like, we got the right guy. And remember, that was his first year, and that was right after we lost to Kentucky. So, you know, Dan, Mullen, the, Dan Mullen's team had lost the streak to Kentucky. It, it was nervous time because everybody, including Tim Tebow on SEC Nation, everybody had Mississippi State winning. And the place was rocking that night. The cowbells were going. Uh, it, it was a special moment when we beat Dan Mullen's old team the year after he left. It, it was just an incredible feeling. So I'll say with the senior class, that was my favorite moment, uh, beating Mississippi State. With Georgia this year, a close second. Remember Donovan Steiner actually put that game away for all the flag uh, he's yep, taken. Yep. It was Steiner who won that for us. It, it was, but you know the game. the The play that will always stick out to me was where Franks tossed it to Tony, and then Tony tossed it to Moral Stevens in the end yes. zone. And it was yes. just a total trick play. And that was where I looked at my friend Marcus and I said, "Wow, offense!" You know, it was just one of those "Whoa, trick play!" I hadn't seen those. And you know, the last time I can recall seeing a real trick play like that was the Michael McNeely fake in 2014 against Georgia. And that wasn't even offense. It was just a trick play. Uh, so that game will always have a special special place in my heart. All right, guys. So we're going to go ahead and dive into a segment that we always call the verdict. And before we dive into our usual questions concerning the football game, I just want to quickly ask both of you, and I'll give my answer as well. Um, we're certainly not Heisman voters. But as we cap off this season, I want to give each of you the opportunity to share your top three Heisman uh, contenders. So just as the Heisman ballot has three spaces, let's go ahead and fill those in. Um, we'll go ahead and start with Neil. If I were voting, I'd put Devontae Smith one. I'd put Kyle Trask two. I'd put Najee Harris three. I think there's very, very little space separating those three guys. Um, I think Devontae Smith is the most outstanding football player this year. No. Oh, God. We're going to debate no. this at a later date. Um, but Kyle Trask, if he loses it to Devontae Smith, I don't have a problem with it because Devontae Smith is sensational. If he loses it to Mac Jones, I am going to be livid. Casey, what are yours? Uh, Neil, I'm going to be – it never has really happened on this podcast. I'm going to 100% agree with you. Uh, I think, Neil, you, you hit spot on the head. Um, I would – Devontae, Kyle Trask, and Najee Harris. Um, and I know just based off of what he's been posting on Twitter and all the text messages, we're going to have a 20-minute Dustin Smith Heisman rant. So, Dustin, let's go. <laughs> you guys uh, disappoint me. I'm not going to have a rant. If you want to rant, you can rewind a little bit in this episode. Kyle Trask, number one. Najee Harris, number two, Trevor Lawrence, number three. 
Thank you. Eat my lunch. God damn. Uh, I don't want any part of that lunch. God Moving on. Damn. I do not want that Winn-Dixie lunch. I do not want that Winn-Dixie lunch. We got a game to talk about, boys. Yes, we do. So we'll go ahead and go around and we'll give our keys to the game first and then we'll get to our score picks. So, Neil, you went first with the Heisman uh, projection. While I disagree, you're more than valid to present your opinion, and that's why we do this. So we'll go and have Casey go first. Casey, what would you say the keys are to this game against Oklahoma? Defense, defense, and defense. We just got to hope our defense shows up uh, because Oklahoma's got players that can play. I'm not worried about our offense, and I know Kyle Pitts – has opted out, and God bless to him for what he did, and God bless him in the future. Um, I have no issue with that. We need our young guys to step up. I'm really interested to see how the Jadon Hills play, how the Kair Elams play. Uh, I'm really interested to see how the young guys on defense show out on a national stage. There's no other game that's going to be against us. There's going to be no other competition and we are going to be the national game and we're going to be in Oklahoma's backyard. So I want to see our defense stop Spencer Rattler, stop the Oklahoma rushing attack. And particularly I want to see Trey Dean step up in the secondary and stop plays from happening. So Justin, what are your keys to the game? All right, guys. So my key, my, the offense has to, has to show up. They have to show up. The offense has to score on either, um, you know, assuming there's 10 drives, the offense has to score on at least eight of them, and seven of those drives or six of those drives have to be touchdowns. I think I think in order for Florida to win, they have to score somewhere between 40 and uh, 55 points, but they have to score at least 40. And defense, it's very simple. It's, it's all about being gap sound. Uh, you know, we, 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 um, we spoke – I spoke a lot about Oklahoma's quarterback. I didn't say much about the running back, but they also have a pretty good run game. We have to be gap sound against their running attack. If we're not, it's going to be a long night, and the Gators are probably not going to be victorious. So, like I said, the Gators got to be gap sound. They got to they gotta play the run well, and the offense has to show up. And I think uh, a key to cover all the keys is the turnover battle. Gotta gotta win the turnover battle. So Neil, uh, did you give yours? No, I did not. So let me give mine. Um, so the key to the game is Florida's offensive line because I'm just gonna go right ahead and concede 30 points off the bat to Oklahoma because I I've seen nothing from our defense all year that tells me we're gonna stop them. So I'm just gonna say they score 30 points right off the bat. The question is if we can outscore them, and whether or not we can is gonna rely on our offensive line. Can we stop Perkins off the edge? Is we mentioned earlier Perkins has been a difference maker since he came back after getting suspended for failing the drug test last year before the Peach Bowl against LSU. Ken Gene DeLance, the I think the de facto punching bag of Gator Twitter, unfortunately. You know, that's just – he's taking a lot of flack, so I will say he is the punching Probably bag of Gator so. Twitter. Yeah, well, we can, we can have that. Um, yeah, can Gene DeLance finally not get beaten five times in one game and give Trash time to go through his progressions? Because keep it respectful, keep it real. We know Stone Forsyth and Richard Garage aren't going 
to be a problem because they haven't been the problem all year long. It's overwhelmingly been on the right side of the line. If DeLance can play like a division one offensive lineman, I think Florida's got a good chance to outshoot Oklahoma because their offense, while very good, isn't, but is by no means the unstoppable force that Florida's offense is at the skill position. So, guys, we're going to go ahead and pick our scores for this game. And um, I'm going to go ahead and go first. So, it's going to be a close one. And I've I, I actually been going back and forth uh, throughout the week on, on uh, what my score should be. I'm going to pick the Gators to win by three. I'm going to pick the Gators 42. And I'm going to pick – well, I'm going to pick the Gators 41 and Oklahoma 38. Okay. Um, I think the seniors win. I, I do because I, I don't trust Delance. I don't trust us to stop Perkins off the edge. And I think Trask will make plays. I think Tony will ball out in what I think will be his last game. As I mentioned, I don't trust our defense. It's not even something that's worth getting agitated about because we've seen them be consistently bad throughout the year. So there's no reason to believe they will suddenly not be bad with the same defensive coordinator and the same players out there, presumably, against a pretty good offense in Oklahoma. I think they're going to just score one more time than we will. I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game. I think it's a three-point spread, two-and-a-half-point spread by Vegas right now. Florida's favored, but I just – I don't think we're going to do it. I think that Oklahoma is going to win the game on a Spencer Rattler touchdown scramble that we just don't see because we're looking at something else and we're not getting lined up correctly. And I think he's going to beat us with a scramble to the edge and take it in for the winning touchdown. So I'll say 38 to 34, Oklahoma. Casey, how about you? 41, 38, Florida. The same score as Dustin had. I know That's my score. You want to you want to change it up, or do you want to be no. a team on this? No, point? I'm confident. In my I, I'm confident in my choice. All right. So we all have Florida, or you no, know, we all have Oklahoma scoring 38 points. You guys just think they score 41, and I think that they'll only score 34. Okay, interesting. You know what, uh, I, Casey, I, I love you, but I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna go to make mine um, uh, 44 to 41, Florida. Okay, so now Dustin has uh. to be different. Reverend Smith, why do you have to do that, Reverend Smith? Why? James Houston, I hereby oh, challenge you. I know what you said. I know what you said this week or this uh, in the lead up to this game. I challenge you, go out there and prove me wrong, dude. I will gladly eat my words to you. But go ahead. Go ahead and prove me wrong, dude. Yeah, no, 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 no. And, and, and James, what he means by that is he'll tweet at 3.30 in the morning when nobody's awake and say, I was wrong. And then it'll be buried by the time you wake <laughs> no, up. No, dude, I'll, I'll I'll tweet it whenever you guys want me. You pick a time and I'll tweet it whenever. I'm dead. Well, serious. I'm just I, I'm just saying by 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 what you've done in in past history. That's that's what it is. If I tell Neil to do something, it turns out to be like two in the morning when nobody's awake. So James, just be aware that's his uh, that's his mo. Yawn. All right. Well, I I'll just say this. I would much rather have. Neil eat his words, then James Houston have to eat his words. For sure. Because oh, we, okay. I'll take I'll take Debbie Downer Schumann eating his words any day of the week. Yeah. Of course he will. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a pretty he's a pretty good guy. I think I think Neil would, would uh, graciously eat his words if the opportunity's presented. I would be in a state of euphoria if I had to eat my words. Yes. And we will Casey and I will will uh, serve it virtually on a on a silver platter, and it'll be nice and and I'll enjoy uh, it. Tasty, be great. Well, guys, uh, it's been uh, 
insane season. And I think that word is, is, is very appropriate. The season's been insane. And we've learned a lot about the Florida Gators and this program that Dad Molly continues to build. And he's building for the future. A lot of us forget about that. And, and uh, there's some decisions that are left to be made as far as the coaching staff and, and recruitment that we'll, we'll talk about at a later date. But, hey, uh, hey, Neil, can we get a, 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 spons- a moving sponsor uh, for, for our next show that maybe uh, our defensive coordinator, when he listens to our show, can, uh, can utilize one of our show sponsors? I'll see what I can do. Yeah, we, w- I will we, see we should I do, do something. That'd be great. Well, guys, like, like we were saying before, um, we certainly want to give our shout-out and our, our special thanks to the, the seniors, uh, especially Kyle Trask. And um, we're, we're certainly thrilled in a lot of ways for the hard work and effort that they put forward. With that said, we also want to give a special thanks to each of you who have taken the time to listen. This is about all we've got for our episode of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast. And if you've enjoyed our show, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and a nice review. Again, to everybody who's been with us on this journey of a heck of a 2020 college football season and a heck of a run for the Florida Gators, thank you for taking the time to hang out with us, to listen, and to have some fun uh, discussing Gator football. Of course, and as always, We once again thank you for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and go Gators. Go Gators. Beat Oklahoma just like 2009 BCS championship game. And Happy New Year, everybody.